0: Hi, I'm Hattie, and welcome to episode two of Hattie Talks Politics and Economics, and welcome to today's special festive episode, all about the politics of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Although the story it told was fictional, the setting was incredibly realistic and almost perfectly reflected the sentiments of many middle and upper class Victorians in Dickens' time. Firstly, it is important to consider the context of the publishing of A Christmas Carol. The Industrial Revolution was coming to an end and the country was experiencing a significant shift in population density across the nation, as there was a sudden growth in cities as the economy shifted from agriculture to industry. The cities were not prepared for such a massive influx of human capital, meaning that many were left to live in awful conditions due to the appalling state of housing. However, this shift towards industry also allowed the rich to get much richer, creating a considerate class and economic gap between the rich and the poor. The conditions were so awful that in Britain's largest cities, almost one in five children born in the 1830s and 40s had died by the age of five, with polluted drinking water, damp and tuberculosis leading to the majority of deaths, and between 60,000 and 70,000 dying from tuberculosis in each decade of Queen Victoria's reign. A Christmas Carol was written in late 1843 and completed in just six weeks in order to be ready for the publishing by the festive season, allowing it to capitalise on the popular demand for Christmas-themed novels at the time. It was published on the 19th of December and soon became one of the most popular Christmas books of its time, a position that it largely continues to hold in Britain. And through its popularity, it would have a significant influence, arguably defining Christmas as the major holiday it is today and associating it more with the idea of charity. Dickens himself was a political commentator, and the story was itself a radical political message, commenting on the significant gap between the rich and poor in Victorian Britain and aiming to effect real change to society. He stresses what is common to all, a sense of humanity, a call to those who have plenty to give to others. The life story of Dickens himself is also particularly important to the context of the story. He was born on the 7th of February 1812 in Portsmouth and lived the beginning of his life in poverty. His father was briefly imprisoned in a debtor's prison, and Charles was forced into a workhouse at the age of 11, where he would stay for eight months. It is important to recognise that workhouses were not designed to be pleasant places to go. They aimed to reduce the cost of caring for the poor by providing less than the bare minimum in terms of living standards, in exchange for long hours of often dangerous work. Dickens' experience in one would prove to be formative in defining him as an advocate for a change in the attitude of the government and the wealthy towards poverty. Ultimately, it was only through his work in journalism later in life and the contacts in the press that he gained that he was able to make a name for himself as an author. The main inspiration from the book came after a visit to the industrial city of Manchester and a speech that Dickens gave it a benefit to raise money for an organisation that aimed to bring education and culture to the working masses. He was also inspired after reading the secondary report from the Parliamentary Commission on the Employment of Women and Children and being horrified by its findings. The report described the awful conditions in which some very young children worked, including dangerous jobs in factories and down mines. Dickens described himself as perfectly stricken down after reading the contents of the report and resolved to write something to strike the heaviest blow in my power on behalf of those he saw as the innocent victims of the Industrial Revolution. The story, he proposed, would come down with a sledgehammer force and rouse the public from their apathy and to some extent antagonism towards the less fortunate. It was of utmost importance to Dickens that he used his platform to change the attitude of the general public and improve conditions for the working class, and he largely achieved this through his writing of articles and books, most obviously tackling the issue in A Christmas Carol. The story goes that, Ebenezer Scrooge, the miser protagonist on Christmas Eve, is rude to those who work for him, refuses to give to charity, and is then unkind to his nephew. Upon returning home and going to sleep, he is visited first by the ghost of his old business partner, Jacob Marley, and then by three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future, one after the other. The ghost of Christmas past shows himself as an unhappy child, and as a young man who loved his money more than his fiancée. The Ghost of Christmas Present then shows Scrooge his clerk Bob Cratchit's family, including his son Tiny Tim, who is ill but still full of Christmas spirit, and the Christmas celebrations of his nephew. Lastly, the Ghost of Christmas Future terrifies Scrooge by showing him his death. Ebenezer Scrooge awakes the next morning on Christmas Day, having learnt the error of his ways and buys the biggest turkey for the Cratchit family, and spends the day celebrating with his nephew, having learnt the joy of Christmas spirit. Scrooge's miserliness is arguably the most important element of the book in terms of illustrating the role of politics within the story. As a character, he is designed to epitomise the industrial ideals of Europe at the time, a man consumed with work and money, with little to no care for those around him. Furthermore, as I mentioned at the beginning, his miserliness is demonstrative of the attitude of those in Dickinson's society who ignored, exploited and abused the most vulnerable. Scrooge is also meant to embody the ideals and beliefs of a famous free market economist at the time, Thomas Robert Malthus. Malthus believed that the poor were responsible for their own poverty, believing them to be stupid, feckless and work shy. He criticised families for having too many children, suggesting that there wasn't enough food to go around and blaming them for creating the conditions of an impending famine. This idea of an impending famine was a common one in Malthus's work, and often referred to, alongside references, to surplus population, both ideas which were also directly disputed by Dickens in A Christmas Carol. In fact, Dickens directly uses the phrase surplus population, a nod to Malthus's writings which wouldn't have gone unnoticed by contemporary readers. Towards the beginning, when Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by charity collectors who have told him that people would rather die than end up in workhouses, Scrooge says... If they would rather die, they had better do it, and decrease the surplus population. These words were a very careful choice by Dickens, and presented Scrooge as someone who subscribed to Malthus's beliefs. This encounter with the charity collectors also reflects another aspect of Victorian society's attitude towards poverty. At the very beginning of the interaction, Scrooge asks of the charity collectors, Are there no prisons? And the union workhouses? Are they still in operation? Thinking that they would not be knocking upon his door if these institutions still existed. Upon learning that they are indeed still in action, he said, Oh, I was afraid, from what you said at first, that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. I'm very glad to hear it. This was a sentiment shared by many in the Victorian era. Although one could make the argument that this was due to a lack of awareness amongst the middle and upper class of the conditions inside the workhouses, these conditions were well advertised and so their views can be almost solely attributed to a lack of understanding and respect for those who had to rely on the workhouses, echoing Mouth's view that it was their own fault for getting themselves into such a situation and that therefore they don't deserve charity and instead these institutions are the best they should expect. The prevalence of this viewpoint in Victorian society was one of the factors that led to the Poor Law Amendment Act of 1834, which established workhouses as a legal obligation for all parishes. The effect of the novel was significant, immediate and wide-reaching. It quickly became a bestseller and was staved as a play. Dickens was to some extent successful in his aim to bring charity to Christmas. It also may have helped in achieving changes to the law surrounding child labour. Shortly after the publication of the story, the 1844 Factories Act established health and safety guidelines, including the rule that no child or young person was to clean mill machinery while in motion, whilst also limiting the hours worked by children and making schooling a necessary part of the workday. Further acts passed during the 19th century ultimately culminated in the abolition of child labour via the Children and Young Persons Act of 1933. I would like to close with a quote from the end of the story by Scrooge. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A merry Christmas to everybody. A happy new year to all the world. Thank you for listening to Hattie Talks. I hope you enjoyed it and it informative. Have a lovely festive period and a very happy new year. Hattie Talks has a new episode published every other Sunday, so keep an eye out and the next episode will be out on the 8th in the new year. Thanks and bye for now.